Hello and welcome to another episode of the 15 Minutes of Football Transfer News Central podcast. We're off the international break now, so that means no international football for five months, I think. And also, we've had the £14.95 uh, Premier League per match pay scheme. We've had it cancelled. So, two possible reasons to be cheerful as we approach the Christmas month of December. And James is here once again to revel in that cheer. Hello, James. Hi. How you doing? I don't think that could have sounded more stage if I tried. Um, <laughs> but, um, it really wasn't stage. No, no, it really wasn't stage. It was all improvised, actually. Uh, we've got, uh, we, we're back to talking club football again, which means a look around Europe, a look at some topics in English football game, and then another um, look at the positional, a positional tactical piece where we look at the top five left backs in the Premier League. So, as well as the top five left backs in the Premier League, and as well as a look around Europe, it's all the latest results, according to our timing, which is Sunday night. Um, we're also going to look at in depth at Newcastle and Steve Bruce, with a lot of frustration aimed at Bruce from the Newcastle supporters. We're also going to look at Manchester City and Pep Guardiola. Guardiola signed a two-year extension to his current deal at, at Manchester City, which means he goes on for another two seasons after the end of this season. But they lost. 2-0 to Tottenham this weekend and again there's a little bit of uncertainty at the club at the moment despite the fact Guardiola's extended his contract. We'll start with Steve Bruce though James and we'll start with Newcastle. There's been a there's been a lot of frustration really surrounding Bruce for quite a while and you know I've got I've got a good way of summarizing it and I'm going to do that in a second but I've spoken for about two minutes now, so I want to get your just gist of the situation. <laughs> do you understand from it? And where do you sit with it? And then I'll discuss what I think about it. Steve Bruce came in after Rafa Benitez, who was very successful and very popular, and of course is a much higher, much more successful manager. So, and had done a really good job. And then there was this, the stories of takeover, People thought big money was going to come in and, you know, people like Mourinho and Pochettino were linked with, with, linked with the job. And then that didn't happen. And so Steve Bruce stayed. And to be fair to them, they, they backed him this summer. You know, they brought in some good players. They brought in Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson, for example. You know, two, I thought, two really good signings. And they started off relatively well. But they just got into a bit of a bad run recently and they've played some good teams as well to be fair I mean they played Chelsea this weekend you know so um, you can't really blame them for losing that game but yeah I think Newcastle is a sad one because I, I love Newcastle as a club it's a massive club got incredible supporters they packed the stadium when, when fans were allowed in you know and they kind of do I feel like they, they deserve success they're kind of like a sleeping giant they've been sleeping for, you know for for about 20 years i mean like the they in the late 90s they had a really good period where they should have won something probably and then under bobby robson they definitely should have won something but since bobby robson left it's been it hasn't been the same you know they've been relegated a couple of times and mm. yeah i think it's unfair the criticism steve bruce gets uh he's got a tough job he's got a lot of injuries at the moment as well mm. you know, he had he had Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson out yesterday, for example, mm -hmm. which you don't want against anybody, but especially not mm -hmm. against Chelsea. You know, so 
Yeah, I think it's a bit unfair. I think the expectations. Are, I don't know if what what expectations Geordies are putting on him, but I would I would expect them to be mid table at best. Mm. And if like if you know, I wouldn't expect them to get relegated. I think you know, I don't think I think they're better than that. Uh, mm. But I don't think it, I think it's fair that he's getting some of the criticism that he's getting because mm. I think he's done a pretty good job. He didn't do much different to Rafa Benitez had done last mm. year mm. in terms of the points and where they finished. Mm. Um, it was almost no difference at all. Um, well, the season before better, that. So I don't think. It might have been better. Yeah, uh, yeah, the so, I don't, so, you know, I think that you've got, you've got to just accept where Newcastle are as a club mm. right now and that they're not going to be competing for trophies. They're not going to be challenging for Europe. They're not mm. going to be getting into the Champions League. Mm. Uh, they're around mid-table. You know, and that's you know, unless they have a massive bit of investment, that's mm. where they're going to be because uh, you know. And uh, I think whether it's the media or the fans who are being harsh on Steve Bruce, they shouldn't be. You know, he's 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 got a tough job. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, he hasn't got the depth. So as soon as his two two of his key players get injured, he has he has to return to to um, Joliton, who's been you know a complete flop. So yeah. Um, I yeah. think, yeah, I think that, that, that I think there's interest in there. You've took sort of a line that quite a few of the pundits, I think, were saying actually on on the coverage at the weekend that uh, Bruce has been treated harshly to to an extent. I agree. Uh, I do think there's, um, I think in terms of in terms of why it's not liked by the Newcastle fans, I think I've boiled it down to sort of three reasons. Three reasons why Newcastle fans just don't like Steve Bruce. One. His football isn't exciting. Two, his managerial CV can't, isn't one that would necessarily pull in marquee players or exciting talents from across Europe in the same way that maybe Carlo Ancelotti at Everton or when Manuel Pellegrini was at West Ham would have done. And number three, I think that he's symptomatic of Mike Ashley's ambitions at the football club. So through association to Ashley, and because he fits into Ashley's idea of what he wants at the club, I feel like he's getting secondary attacks quite a lot of the time. So, yeah, let's so let's kind of break that down. So his style of football isn't good. And as a Burnley fan, I can sort of sympathise a little bit. And I, I'm not even having a dig at Sean Dyche in any way, but the, the style of play that Steve Bruce plays, like Sean Dyche, like Roy Hodgson, you know, is like Sam Allardyce, is quite defensive minded it's structural if there's a structural focus which is set up to be hard to beat play percentage kind of football and the lower averages are that over the course of the season that should be enough to get the team over the line and, and keep the team in the division or steady it's steady the ship in many ways because when Allardyce went to Everton Everton fans didn't want Sam Allardyce there and they didn't want him to last beyond his short tenure that he was there because he came in when they weren't in a brilliant position and he steadied the ship and he got them back on track uh, using, a, using a structure that was very defensive focused. But the fans, they didn't want that. They wanted a change in that summer and they got Marco Silva in because they wanted a coach with progressive ideas and they wanted to enjoy watching the team and think that the team could be going somewhere in the future by playing in a certain way. They could be building towards mm. something. Yeah. They went from Marco Silva, 
And then they went to Carlo Ancelotti, which is another step up, because not only have you got someone who wants to play a nice brand of football, we've got a marquee name as a manager. Okay, So Everton, like Newcastle, I feel are a team that aspires not to be, I think Mark Lawrence has said, Newcastle fans want Champions League football. I don't think they do. I just think they want a bit of hope because Newcastle, since the Premier League's inception in 1992, there's only been two seasons, uh, sorry, three seasons where they've not been in the Premier League. So that means the vast majority of the time they've been in the top flight. They finished second twice, third twice, fourth once and fifth once. And as you alluded to, James, they've got 52,000 people that, that regularly attend uh, and fill St. James's Park. Many people, myself included, see Everton as a team. When I think of Everton, I think of a team that's sort of challenging the top six. And, and maybe and maybe has an outside chance of European football. And that's the sort of perception you have with Everton, one of the best of the rest. But by comparison to Newcastle, Everton have finished what fourth once in that same period. And just to reiterate, Newcastle in, the, in, in that period, since the Premier League's inception, finished second twice, third twice, fourth once and fifth once. Everton just finished fourth the once. And that was under David Moyes in 2004. And I don't think we had the same criticism of Everton fans or people weren't, weren't critical of Everton fans for wanting a bit more than Allardyce. People said, well, you know, Everton's a club that want to be challenging the top six. But I think so did Newcastle. You oh, know, oh, and, yeah. I, and, and, and it's not just about challenging that, it's about building for something, having hope, having a manager who you can look at and say, oh, we're, we can see the plan in place to build, you know, we can see where we want to be at the end of this year and this year and this year. We're playing in a way which is appealing to us and appealing to players who want to come in. The managers have got a resume and got a style of play that would fit and, and uh, attract talents from abroad. Okay. And I know I'm, I know I'm going on here, Jez. I'll bring you in in a second. I just, yeah, no, fine, just, to bring, just to bring you back on the... Um, just to bring, bring it all back, so I, I touched on there that that's why I think you know, the critical, that's why I don't think there's acceptance of the style of play. That's why, because they've got the same ambitions of, say, an Everton manager. I touched on Sean Dyche before. The reason why Burnley have no qualms with Sean Dyche uh, at the moment is because their expectations are grounded with the fact that since the Premier League's inception, Burnley have spent the majority of the time in the Football League. And when Burnley have gone up, when they first went up with Owen Coyle in 2008, 2008-9 uh, season, when they, first, when they first got that promotion, they came straight back down. There wasn't a surprise. It was almost like an inevitability, like a fairy tale season because the club didn't spend a lot of money and the club went back down. And the same when Sean Dyche first went up, first took Burnley up, was it, it was almost as if, oh, we don't expect to stay up, but we'll have a go. And then again, went down. Then Sean Dyche bounced back up again. And he's managed to keep the club in the, seat, in the Premier League for successive seasons. So Sean Dyche has done miracles with this club, with Burnley, my club. But, and his style of play is quite negative. You know, if you watch Burnley every week uh, and you're looking for entertainment, you're not going to get it quite a lot of the time. And that's and the reason why Burnley fans accept it is because the expectations of the fans are grounded because they understand the past 30, 40 years where this club has been, the struggles it's had in the, in the late 80s, in, in the, in, you know, just about surviving uh, in the football league. You know, never mind anything else. And that, that could have been the end of the football club. Financially, I don't think they could have coped. Um, and then struggling through the football league in the in the nineties uh, and the noughties, you know, the Premier League was a pipe dream, and it's only just recently that it's it's not become a pipe dream. And that's why 
you know, that's part of the reason why that humility that's gra- that, that surrounds the football club, that's the reason why I think Burnley fans don't care the way Deitch plays. He's built up his legacy and they have really grounded expectations. And Steve Bruce has come in and he's not, he's not been, you know, he, he's not had the opportunity to build that legacy. You know, he's taken over, as you alluded to, James, Rafa Benitez, a manager who could have the manager, who's managed the biggest clubs, some of the biggest clubs in the world, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Liverpool, Inter Milan, you know, a, a very, very impressive managerial CV, far better than Steve Bruce's. So when you play that football under Benitez, you think, ah, but in the, you know, if he gets backing with some money, he could bring in one or two players to elevate this football club to the next level. He is the person who could maybe provide and galvanise the club, give it some hope. In the same way Ancelotti is doing at Everton, you might argue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they need someone like that. It's a very specific kind of club. It's unlike Mm. any other club, actually, I think, really. Mm. Because it's the only club in the city and Mm. everyone supports... It's like football is like a religion in Newcastle. Mm. Mm. And, you know, they fill up every week. They go there. They want to be entertained, Mm. Newcastle fans. They want to... They want to see attacking football. They want to see lots of goals. That's why they loved Kevin Keegan because yeah. that I mean that was a really great attacking side. It yeah. played fantastic football. And it didn't win anything, but it played fantastic. But to be fair, Jay, just all to, the fans I'll, love to watch. Just just as a tag question for you here though. I think you're right. I think there is there is an idea of entertaining with a view to progressing because with Steve Bruce, you you know you're gonna probably he's gonna probably keep them in the division. Uh, and people are saying, Oh, what do Newcastle fans expect? If Newcastle have only been since the Premier League's inception, so we're looking at around uh, 30 years there, give or take. In the past 30 years, if, if Newcastle's only been in the Championship for two seasons, that's a hell of a long time they spent in the Premier League. Yeah. You can't, you can't sort of, you know, when you hire someone like Bruce then, uh, what is he? I mean, it's not like they they should be a club that's just trying to, you know, keep in the division year after year. Two seasons in the past r- roughly 30 years, sorry, three years, sorry, three seasons where they've not been in the Premier League. And you're wanting uh, the expectation should be to stay in the division at all costs. I, I find that. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? I think, I, yeah, I think, I think the Newcastle fans are entitled to, to want more. Mm. Uh, they are. They're entitled to want more. And with the, the wealth that the owner has as well, they should be um, investing more. Like this some. This summer was actually their best transfer window for quite a while. Yeah, they did. Uh, and and, and Alan St. Maximan, James, is a, is a player who is so good all, you know, to watch. Oh, he's fantastic. It, it, Absolutely you, brilliant. You've touched on it. Uh, Callum Wilson, Brian Fraser, Alan St. Maximan, John Joe Shelby, Jamal Lewis. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's some, de- some decent players in there. It's not as if uh, they, they, they've got 11 dunces on the field. Um, yeah. and uh, and they've got long staff as well. And, yeah. you know, there's some good, there's some good players there. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just needing that extra bit of investment and that it is. right manager to come in and uh, you know to give it all a lift. And they had him, they had him, mm-hmm. they had Rafa Benitez there. Yeah. If they yeah. if yeah. they kept him and they backed him, yeah. He would have got Newcastle further up the table. And, and it's what and it's what I was sort of saying, though, yeah. James. The style which you said and I sort of suggested is quite similar between the two. There's not a lot between the styles. But what you get with Benitez is someone who's managed at the highest level, and he's a pull. He's a pull for 
certain yeah, individuals in the same way Carlo Ancelotti Everton would have never got James Rodriguez Allen and, and Decore they wouldn't have got all three of those players without Ancelotti okay no. they might have got Decore but Allen and James no they wouldn't have no. got him so again yeah. it's it, it is that thing and, and as, a, as a disclaimer I don't think I think Bruce is quite a good manager I think he's a solid manager and he'd do a good job for a lot of clubs but I think the, the real frustration with Newcastle is that people who were defending Bruce and saying what the Newcastle fans expect, a group in Newcastle in with a group of clubs that haven't had, you know, that have, that have had more history in the past 20, 30 years in the Championship Football League than they have in the Premier League. And as I've said about three times, Newcastle aren't one of those clubs. Certainly, they've had so much time in the Premier League now over the past 30 years. They shouldn't be grouped with the others that are just trying to, trying to stay in the division. I don't, really don't think they should. And that's where I think the 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 the, the surface of the frustration comes from Bruce seems like a nice guy but ultimately and I and I just come back to my final point I know I've gone slightly over so we'll go uh I've gone slightly over the time limit but coming back to my final point when I said Bruce is symptomatic of Mike Ashley's ambitions at the football club because Mike Ashley's in his mind is his ambitions for Newcastle are the are what Newcastle fans do not want he, he's got the same ambitions for the club as a newly promoted team has survival and that's that's what it is every year survival 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 but again it, it, uh, uh, for the reasons what i've just said it's quite obvious why that's not enough in the same way everton a, a team that many regard to be uh someone that should be uh has, is right to have the ambitions that it does um it wouldn't be tolerated there i don't i don't think we should be i, I think it's wrong to uh, assume that it should be tolerated at newcastle but hey we aren't Mike Ashley. Anyway, James, I'll let you. St- I'll let you go with the start on this next one, with Man City and with uh, Guardiola and with Phase Two of the project. They were, you know, beaten uh, by his old adversary Pep Guardiola two 0 against um, against Tottenham at the weekend. And well, first of all, I actually think this season they've been very. I think they've been pretty good defensively. In fact, better than I've se- we've seen Man City defensively in quite some time. I think Diaz has been excellent. Cancelo looks better at left back than the other natural left backs, which suggests they need probably a left back um, in, in a transfer window. But for me, and I think this is quite obvious, the attacks lacking a bit of spark. When it was at its peak, you had Sterling Aguero Sane playing most weeks. And in a similar way to uh, Salah, Mane, and Firmino, there was a sort of predictability about how they were to line up, but an inevitability about the results, what were going to come. Lots and lots of goals. And now, now it's almost like, you know, Sterling, out of form Sterling, by the way, apart, I, I know he didn't start against Tottenham, but he generally holds that left wing position. Then it's sort of, uh, then it's a game of roulette at, at right wing. It's either Bernardo, Torres, Mares, or Foden. And then in attack, Aguero or Jesus or someone who's fit because, you know, for large periods of this season, there hasn't been a striker that's been fit. So do you think, with Guardiola side putting pen to paper on an extension, this summer, or maybe even sooner, there needs to be a big overhaul um, in the transfer market? I have a lot of thoughts on my city. I mean, objectively looking at the squad, hmm. um, I think they've, they've, they've shored up the defence in terms of recruitment, uh, in terms of centre-backs. They don't need to. They don't need to recruit there anymore. I would say 
Uh, they've got Kyle Walker right back. Uh, they definitely need a left back without any question, and they have needed one for quite some time. Uh, I have no idea why they didn't go for one in the summer, honestly. Um, should have been mm. a priority mm. position. In terms of attack, they've got Bernardo Silva, they've got um, Phil Foden, they've got Sterling, they've got, uh, I'm trying to go through all their attacking players, De Bruyne, you know, they've got uh, uh, Mares. you know, they've got quality attacking talent. I think it's a combination of things. I think they need to, they need a replacement for Aguero, without question, mm. because he's injured too much now, and he's still a quality player, but he's not playing enough, and mm. Jesus is not in the same bracket. Uh, they need a real-world-class attacking like a striker, like a forward. Well, I um, thought, actually, I thought Erling Haaland would be perfect. However, yeah, however, yeah. however, for them, it, yeah, um, it would, but his agent is, um, unfortunately, yeah, Mino Raiola, and there. Guardiola doesn't do deal with Mino Raiola. I don't think he'll uh, end up at Manchester City. Players, um, but yeah, you're right. Someone like that, though. Someone like that. Uh, uh, they need someone like that to to score the goals. They need. They've missed. Uh, they've missed. I mean, you think about it. They lost Vincent Company. They lost. They've lost David Silva and essentially lost Aguero. That's three world class players. Mm. And you know, I mean, Phil Foden's done fantastic when he's played, but he's not at the same level that Silva was. Um, he's probably not the same kind of player either, uh, and uh, although he's he's a very very good player, um, very good, uh, and yeah, they haven't really got a still got that leader at the back, the kind of the or leader in the team anyway. They haven't got the strong character, the mm. kind of you know the, the company, you know, like Thiago Silva, for example. I, which I disagree a bit. Just it's quality at centre back. It's the, it's his character. It's his leadership. It's his being vocal, being organised, like, like you know, uh, it's kind of that winning mentality. Uh, they haven't got, I don't see players like that. I don't see this winning mentality, this ruthlessness on the pitch that they had in other years. I don't see it. I, think that, uh, I actually think the centre-back, Diaz, I think he, we, we touched on it last week, I think he's excellent. I know that, yeah, he is. Uh, and Laporte, yeah, I feel yeah. like the goals as well, if you watch against Tottenham, it, the, yeah, you can say the centre-backs are a bit to blame, but I feel like it's the pressure in from the midfield, because if you leave your centre-backs in Man City's team exposed, against Young Min Son and, and Harry Kane, for example, unless Elso, obviously, um, then you you, you know you, you're going to be you're going to be up against it massively because there's Son and Kane are two world class performers, um, yeah. and yeah. I I don't know I think I think you, you touched on a few attacking players there you say Foden I think he's got a big part to play actually in Guardiola's phase next phase I really. do I, I agree yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like with Mares uh, he's at a, he's at a, you know of a of a level where you think he should play. Or should be, you think he should play most weeks in the same way Sterling does, but he doesn't. And it, and it wrote, and then you look at Bernardo and you say the same, and he doesn't. Uh, and then sometimes Tor- and Torres, of course, comes in as well. Um, and it, at the moment, I feel like it's a bit of much, much of muchness in attack. It's almost like you look at Liverpool and you know who's going to, you know, it's always Salah, Mane. Jota might come in for Firmino. Now he's doing really well, but Firmino. But you always know Salah and Mane are there, and they consistently, if Salah's underperforming, Mane will score. Mane's not doing well, Salah will score. And that seems to be how it works. Whereas at, at Man City, as we've seen this season, if Sterling underperforms, 
you know, the guy on the right, whether it be Mores or Bernardo, it, it doesn't necessarily work quite in the same way, which probably, and, and when you look at it as well, I suppose that Mar because they are very good players, but no one can nail it down, such as the high barometer at this Man City team. It's very difficult for anyone to nail it down. Leroy Sané managed to nail it down when he was uh, regularly playing and happy, and Sterling would be on the right and Sané would be on the left and Aguero would be in the middle. But since Sané has sort of said, you know, I want to go to Bayern, and inevitably he went to Bayern, Bernardo came in, as we, as I say, and Mahrez has come in. It's very difficult to name who starts on the right of, of City's main eleven. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, and um, I think I'm, I was very surprised when um, Pep Guardiola signed the contract. I really, really, was, um, I think, I think, I mean, I think Pep Guardiola. If you look at Pep Guardiola's career, he's never done more than four years at a club. Um, the time he did do four years at a club at Barcelona, he regretted doing the fourth year, and you could see it in the team they weren't. The same. It was like because he trains at a very high level. He expects players to play a hot, very high intensity all the time, uh, and players have got tired by that fourth year. I saw the documentary about that team, and they they actually said, you know, that uh, that he he was kind of lethargic that year. That that they got a bit lethargic. That that you know that needed freshening up. And there is a there is a natural cycle at a club. You know, there is a natural cycle. He's been there. I think. What is this now? I can't. I can't. It's been. What, been there since twenty sixteen, hasn't he? So this is his fifth be... season. Yeah, this is his fifth season. So I always figured this would be his last season, uh, and that would be, and that's a natural cycle in football, I think. And for him, especially for the way he plays and the style of football, and the, you know that they need something different. Um, mm. They need. They look like. They're going through the motions. They don't look like they have that hunger, that desire, that edge that they had in the first few years. And, that's, and that isn't just down to the playing staff, because a lot of the playing staff are the same players. Mm. Uh, it's, and they're not bad players either. Mm. <laughs> they're really good players. Um, but it's just, and it's not, I don't think it's that they've lost faith in the manager at all. It's just, you know, you can get, you can get tired of the same voice. And, Sometimes you just need a different voice, a different perspective, something, something fresh, some new ideas. You know, and so all teams then? need that. It's not, and it's not a reflection on the manager because Pep Guardiola is a great manager, uh, and he looks a bit tired as well. He doesn't look like he's got the same drive yeah. that he had, and he but, may well do, but it's not showing. But um, the club language isn't showing that either. So there's, I, I don't know if he'll stay. If I don't know if he'll fulfil that contract he signed, I really don't. But, but the club, the club themselves, when it comes into this, and, and we've seen in the past, uh, well, Pochettino was was given the chop quite brutally because the club refused to spend in the summer uh, to 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 make the overhauls that he needed, that Pochettino needed, uh, and instead, and instead, they decided to it'd be easier to get rid of the manager and appoint Jose Mourinho. So far, that's looking quite like a good decision. Uh, almost prolonging the life cycle of most of the squad with a, a few additions around that. Uh, but maybe Man City are doing the opposite. Maybe they're saying, well, instead of instead of getting rid of Guardiola to prolong the life cycle of the players we have, we're going to have an overhaul in the transfer market, get rid of some players, bring some new top-level players in. I mean, it's hypothetical because I know Guardiola said already that he, he wants Messi to finish his contract, at, um, finish his career, sorry, at Barcelona. But if, you know, it's all smoke and daggers in the media now anyway, if Messi did go to City hypothetically, I mean, that's a that's a, a transfer that, you know, 
I suppose energizes everyone there. That would change everything. That would change everything. I mean, if they got Messi, and they would not just need to get Messi. They would need to get. They need to get a left back. They need to get. Mm. Um, maybe a defensive midfield player. They I need was thinking, to, yeah. They need a striker uh, as well. They need. They need about. They need about three or four players. I think if Messi came in, though, I think again hypothetically because it, it, they've played down rumours. But if Messi came in, his best mates with Aguero off the field anyway. So I think that would probably mean Aguero gets a two-year extension or something in in light of Messi joining. So you get Aguero for a bit longer. You get Jesus as the striker as well. I do think it, I actually disagree. I think if Messi was there, it, there's less burden on on another striker because essentially you've got someone from yeah, you know, I, wide. I think you want to be the best. I think you need to get rid of. Don't get rid of Aguero. I would get rid of Jesus and buy another striker. You know because it takes the pressure off Aguero to play every game and and to deliver because uh, you know. See, he, I think he, I he won't be able to play as much. So. You keep him for the games that you really want him and let him finish his career. See, uh, I think Jesus is quite underrated. I think he's been biding his time for quite a while. And I do yeah. actually imagine that he could make... I mean, that goal against Liverpool was outstanding. Uh, just before oh, yeah, he's, well, he's had his moments. Yeah. Um, I, I still haven't seen him really kick on and become that really elite striker. Um, yeah. You know, you've got, yeah. you're going to be a top team. You've got to just go for the best and you've got yeah. to... Be ruthless about it, uh, and that's what they need to get back. Um, it almost feels like Man City are kind of pandering to Guardiola and just giving him what he wants, and we're almost afraid to make the tough decision if it needs to be taken. Mm. You know, mm. and I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they should sack him, but I'd say mm. like not renew his contract. Just say, okay, we've had good, a really great five years. We need to kind of move on. We need to kind of move to the next stage. Mm. You've done a great job here. Let's, you know, and let's kind of finish on good terms. And then you go, you know, each go on to what, you know, but I think they just thought, well, we want to keep them as long as possible, no mm. matter what. And I think I, I would counter in that. I do think that's kind of understandable because of the manager that oh, he yeah, is. It is. I mean, yeah. he's a great manager. Yeah. He's one of the and how managers. And how do we, and, and we, we could say, oh, I'm, they're pandering to this, but how do they make a success out of his second tenure? For me, I think by increasing his contract, They've basically signed up to a route, unlike Tottenham, who signed up to a cheaper route, which felt by replacing Mourinho, by sacking Pochettino and replacing him with Mourinho, I think they took a more cost-effective route to pushing the squad forward. I feel like Manchester City have gone the other way, and they've, by signing up to another two years of Guardiola, they're essentially saying, we are going to put the money in, just like we did a few years ago. In my mind, I think that means a marquee signing and one or two players next summer. I really do think it means big. Well, it has to. I mean, yeah. that's, the, that's the only one I think he would have signed. Hmm. He wouldn't have signed otherwise, because uh, and that's the only way they could persuade him to sign. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, if he signed the contract, there must be some hmm. guarantee that, that he is going to get seriously back. Because I think I have a feeling that he thought they were going to sign Messi last summer. Uh, and that then didn't happen. It looked like it was kind of when you read the, all the reports around the Messi story. It looked yeah. like Pep Guardiola had spoken to Messi. Yeah, I mean he visited Barcelona, you know, and obviously he knows he's got friends there and he's got a house there and everything, family. But yeah. but it was a bit suspicious the timing of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was something going on there that you know that that had been and Messi even said that he told Barcelona he wanted to leave long before the end of the season. Yeah, so it sounded like something was on on the cards, and then suddenly it, it didn't happen. And 
it kind of looked like that kind of scuppered Man City's plans. And they didn't get their first choice players this summer. Their first choice yeah. centre back was was Koulibaly. They wanted Koulibaly. well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They, they negotiated with, with, negotiate with Napoli for months and didn't get him. I don't know. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, not, even Napoli said that. Napoli said that. They, Napoli yeah, they, would say that, though. I mean, yeah, it's I know, that's, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it was, it was strongly linked for a long time. You know, it wasn't no. an idle rumour. I don't think it yeah. was. In, it fa- was in fairness to City, I think they, they said it was always Diaz, which they also would do, but also is younger and. Certainly, and less expensive than Cooley Valley would have been. So, I don't know. I personally think they've got a great deal there. But anyway, on, on it just in summary to that, well, they have. I agree. I don't think, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a great signing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In summary to that, though, just in summary, just again slightly going over, but yeah, Guardiola New Deal means big marquee signing. I think with the, with with potentially a left back. Well, needs to be a left back and a few other areas addressed. That could be messy. Even with what Guardiola said, it, it, I think that could be a very no, big possibility. Okay. But if it's not, uh, just yeah. to throw some names out there and then we'll move on, uh, I'd say maybe Zhao Felix, who's been linked before, yeah. could be incredibly good there. Um, both. Jack Grealish could be incredibly good, given what he's doing for England and, and Aston Villa. That Jack could Grealish be a really good absolutely one. Absolutely perfect. Uh, and he's been linked already. So wait and see. Watch this space. I think there'll be big money next summer. Anyway. I agree. Back. Back to the top five left back. Uh, well, not back to the top five. We're, we're going through the team. We're going at left backs. We talk about. We talked last week. Uh, no, we didn't. We talked two episodes before about top five right backs. How so? We, we talked about the progressive evolution of a right back being very different to what it used to be. The same with a left back. But there was the Ashley Cole left back, wasn't there? Uh, in the same way, there was the Gary Neville right back. There was the Ashley Cole left back, and the same way there was there was the Danny Alves. Right back as well. Yes. It was also the Roberto Carlos left back. So again, it, it, at, at that point, uh, Roberto Carlos and Ashley Cole being a good, good. Um, I took it to Adam Summerton when we did the interviews about this, and I gave him that question when we're doing we're picking teams of the team of the noughties and it and he preferred Ashley Cole at the time, rightly so. He was you probably would as well, given he played for your club, but now. You know, I think I think I, I'm not saying he wasn't then. Roberto Carlos was bloody adored, wasn't he, back then? But now I think Roberto Carlos would be the in thing left back, isn't he? What you want, just someone with Suarez attacking oh, flair, yeah, pace, yeah. could smack it in from 88 yards or something. Top call. I love Roberto Carlos. Yeah, and mm. uh, yeah, and I had the stories, and he was actually very close to joining Chelsea, and then it kind of fell through right at the last minute. Literally, it was kind of all done, and it just suddenly fell through. Would you have had Roberto Carlos or Ashley Cole? Ashley Cole. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. That's what Adam said uh, when we interviewed him. Uh, yeah. Again, it was, and it, it, yeah, and he was, he was, wasn't he? he? Was very different to Roberto Carlos, wasn't he? Very defensively astute. Uh, yeah, but, he, I mean, he, to me, he's he's the best left back I've I've ever seen. Yeah. That, that's, uh, <laughs> and that's not even being biased because I'm a Chelsea fan. I think, no. even objectively, he he is one of the best left backs ever. What about Maldini, if Maldini was because uh, he was centre back as well, was he? Maldini could play left back and centre back. Yeah, he was. He was. He was world class. He was a world class centre back and a world class left back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't but get more that of many times. Left back, you know, not a yeah, not, not a kind of the modern kind of fullback. So no. in today's game, he'd probably be a centre back. Of course honest. he would. But yeah, phenom- what a phenomenal player he was. Um, yeah, so I suppose well, we'll go. We'll go into the. Uh, we'll go into the discussions. I think number one for me. Should be for you, 
and should be for many. I was having a look on Twitter actually today, not not according to Everton fans, but uh, can't always. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, but uh, no, I'd I'd have Robertson as, as the top because I actually think Robertson not only is he the best in the in in the Premier League, but he's the best in the world. Um, I think because. He's, you know, his attacking contributions are well noted, but I think defensively he's excellent as well. You know, it's not just it's not just going forward. He's very quick up and down the pitch, very strong in the tackle, aggressive leader, warrior. Um, and today, well, on Sunday even when uh, he was playing against Leicester, he did brilliant assist today for Diogo Jota's header. Symptomatic of his game, really. As soon as he gets the ball on that left foot, like Trent Alexander-Arnold is. On his right, just an amazing deliverer of a ball. I think Alexander Arnold's probably slightly better with his variation of passes, but I would say when uh, when Robertson gets into the final third on that left foot, there's very few fullbacks better in the world. And I also think, as I say, defensively, he's also very, very better than Alexander Arnold defensively by quite oh, a distance. Yeah, I think definitely. he's. That's why I think it. He's the best in the world because he's the he's an all round gem of a left back. In the way Alfonso Davies, for example, I think he's probably second best in the world uh, for Bayern Munich. But I think yeah. there's a bit more all roundness to Andy Robertson's game. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, but I'd have both. I'd have any of them. Of the Roberto Carlos kind of left back, isn't he? Uh, I mean, he's phenomenal. Well, he was a he left was... winger, wasn't he? He was a left winger when he, yeah, when he joined. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think when I think Alfonso Davis will probably have, will probably get to a a higher ceiling in it yeah, uh, yeah, ultimately yeah. Uh, when he when he matures. But he's still very young. But yeah, I would say Robert, at, at this actual moment, yeah, Robertson definitely. Yeah. Um, you know my. Um, my 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 number one was was the same. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad because if you just said it wasn't like, really that one, you, um, I think everyone pretty much would agree on that one. So, yeah, uh, number one, number two, three, four, and five. I think since we've been doing this, is for me the hardest. Two, three, yeah. four, and five. I've done because I mean last week we all agreed. I got a bit of stick for not putting Gabrielli, which is fair. In cutting, I, I you know, I, I, I thought really that was quite hard too. Fair. I did too. It was quite hard. Uh, I'll let you go with. Uh, I start. Uh, you know, I've started this before. So go on. Let's hear your two okay, and three. My, we'll do them together. Two and three. My. Uh, <laughs> this was. This was. This was not easy to do because no. the, the, the next three are all um, could all have, it could have been in any order really. Mm. My next three. So Ch- Chill World's my second because mm. um, I've watched him this season, especially for Chelsea. He's been superb this season. He's stepped up his game. He's he's definitely improved playing with better players mm. uh, in a system that suits him. Uh, he has he's before he's been one of Chelsea's best players. Actually, uh, he's scored goals as well, which has been brilliant. Um, he's been good defensively. He's uh, you know he's got forward well. He's assisted goals as well. He's He's just been the complete left back this year. He's definitely stepped up. Um, and sometimes that happens with players. They need to make a step up to actually fulfill their potential. And it looks, and of course, he's only 23, so he's going to get better. Um, that's my number two. Like, shall I do my next three and then yeah. see what you're. Yeah. Because they're probably the same one, but it's yeah. in, a different in the order, order, maybe. Yeah, yeah, go on um, Digny was my next one. Um, I think. 
I mean, he's been a superb left back, consistently good for Everton for take, takes um, quite a while. He could take all the set. I know he doesn't take penalties, but he do. He, no doubt he could. He also takes free kicks, uh, corners. I mean, he shares them with um, James Rodriguez now. But yeah. he, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, he's uh, not not stealing thunder, but he, going forward, he is. Uh, as good, I think, as anyone in the Premier League, and I put it is a left back, and I put him in Robertson's uh, category for going forward. Um, I think Robertson, you know, edged him out on all other attributes, but going forward, yeah, I don't think right, there's, yeah. I don't think there's anyone at left back better than Dinier because his his crossing is ridiculous. His shooting's very good. Gets into advanced positions. Also, you know, very decent defensively as well. You know, he's no. Slouch, and just just as a spoiler, I might as well say now he's my second. He's number two because not yeah. only because we've seen it for a, quite a few seasons now, um, and he's doing it. And even when Everton have been poor, he's still been a, a player who's shone for them. Uh, and I and he was thriving when Everton were doing so well at the start of the season. He did really well against Fulham as well. Um, I think it, it, you know he, he probably get into. Well, for me, I mean, Chelsea don't need now with Chilwell, but he would have got into Chelsea's team and he would have, I think... Had oh, he would have done, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think he was on Chelsea's shortlist. He was on yeah. Chelsea's shortlist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely one of the best in the league without question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, I write him very, yeah. very highly. You know? Like number three, actually, just because you've, you've gone with two and three. I, well, I went uh, Tierney, actually. So uh, I haven't. Uh, I gone for Tierney because might, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do like Tierney. I was going to put him second. I think the only thing that 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 slightly, I don't know. I, I, it's really hard. I think that the fact he plays as a left centre back, he's brilliant in Arsenal's system. Well, uh, they're a bit different today uh, against Leeds. Sorry, but usually he's been predominantly played as the left centre back. I think he's really, really good in that. I actually think it's limiting to him and his attributes a bit. Uh, because he's really, really good going forward. Got pace to burn. Um, great at the back. Really good defensive resolve. Uh, can whip a really wonderful ball in. Had struggled with injuries um, prior to this season. Getting back into into form hasn't really been a problem. The, yeah, Tierney could be. I think the reason I'm sticking with Digne at the moment in second is because. Over the past couple of years, very few injuries, very good consistent, uh, consistency, particularly going forward, where his attacking numbers have been excellent. Created, you know, I think last season he might have created the most chances for Everton out of anyone. Uh, so I, I think I think he really is an underrated player in that in that sense. But when Arsenal really do get going, uh, maybe they take the shackles off the defensive system a bit when they get a few more signings over the. Over the next couple of years, I think he could be one hell of a player. So, might might push into second place. He's my fourth I, choice. Yes, <laughs> he's my fourth choice uh, mm. for all the reasons that you mentioned. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was tough. Like Chilwell, Digny, and Tierney. Like, I could have put them in any any of any of those positions: second, third, yeah. fourth, because they're all quality left backs, and they're all. Consistent performers at a high level in the Premier League and have been for a while, um, especially well, Tierney hasn't been for a while, but I mean, last season he was, second half of last season he was, mm. uh, and you know, Chilwell had been for a, a Leicester before as well. 
Imagine yeah. being Scotland though and having your two best players play in the same position with Robertson and Tierney. That's just very unfortunate. Yeah, that really sucks. Yeah, mm. you play Tierney as you could play Tierney as um, they do, don't they? Back. They're quite flexible with and it. Digne um, as the left back, didn't you? So, mm. um, or even you could even play Digny as a winger, left as a kind of left winger, and Tierney behind him. Uh, Robertson, um, Robertson, Jeff. Oh, so Robertson, yeah, not sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, my, my bad, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting myself mixed up. Tierney is 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 my is is fourth, you know, kind of joint mm. second, really, but mm. yeah, there's uh, a few joint seconds, yeah, because they're all very good left backs, and mm. uh, yeah, they all play for they all play for teams that have been doing well this season as well. Mm. So, what about number five then? Well, this was my. This was the toughest one. Like, I, I couldn't. I went. I, I tried to go through all the left backs in the Premier League and think about, mm. you know. And I, I, I and eventually, I settled on um, Magulion mm. uh, at Spurs because he's come in this season and he's done. I think, especially offensively, he's done mm. really, really well. Um, and he, and it's carried on from last season for Sevilla. He was excellent in Europe, in the Europa League, and in La Liga. And Real Madrid, um, I think we'll take him back at some point. I think they've got they've got the ba- uh, buyout. Buy yes, yeah. so they will take him back, <laughs> or, or or they may just even take him back to make a hefty profit. It because they've got Ferland Mendy, of course, who's also very very good. So Real Madrid. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think he he he's my fifth as well. So um, also Regulion for the reasons you just said. He, I mean, come, what the what what Tottenham had with Ben Davies for much of of the time under Jose Mourinho was a left back who was solid defensively, but offered absolutely nothing going forward. And now you've got in Regulion someone who's solid defensively but brilliant going forward. Which, yeah. So it's a oh, massive no, upgrade yeah. on Davies, massive it's upgrade. A really important player for them in their improvement this year. Yeah, mm. it's actually quite you know he's done really well on that side, and uh, you know just just briefly on the other side they brought Matt Doherty in. And he hasn't really been able to oust Sergio Rio for reasons like I sort of suggested how different it is playing as a right wing back at Wolves to a right back at Spurs. And it does seem like that adjustment, there has been a struggle. And, you know, Aurier, again, he seems to have upped his game, actually. So maybe Jose Mourinho will be thankful that Doherty came in to improve Aurier's game. But again, that's just uh, that's just a little uh, add-on to to the Tottenham fullback situation. Anyway, yeah, so, so that, those five. Same names, different orders, so that well, that was handy. Uh, also, a shout-out maybe to Tellez if he actually gets um, knuckled down in, in a regular position at Man United. Yeah, he's got a chance of getting in that five if he starts. Yeah, performing. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's good. No Man City left-back for obvious reasons. So, you know, that's... Yeah, uh, that's why I haven't got one. ...need to look at that, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, no, I, I, if, I, if I bring that up, we'll go into crazy discussion territory. So, move on. Yeah, to European football, and it's been um, it's been another interesting week of football across the board. And I, I, you know, I'm not sure where to, I, I'll start in Germany. We'll start in Germany because Erling Haaland scored four goals this weekend for Borussia Dortmund. Four goals, you he's know, a in phenomenal. That he is. He's he's very very good. They beat uh, Hertha Berlin five uh, two. Actually, went one nil down. Believe it or not, and then he scored four goals uh, alongside a goal from Guerrero. So, yeah, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, he he he, he, he won, he won didn't he? He won the um, what did he win? <laughs> he was he won the uh, the young best young player in Europe award. I think 
He did. Uh, he did. Golden Boy. Uh, Golden Boy. He, he is. He is on his way to becoming a world, like a real, genuine. Oh yeah. World class player. Like yeah. You know, about potential Ballon d'Or winner. You know, he's 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 just going upwards and upwards and upwards, and he's going to get better and better and better. And uh, he has a buyout clause which comes into effect, I think, in twenty twenty two. Yeah. For about so. sixty seventy million. Yeah. And he's going to have pretty much every big club in Europe fighting over that. Well, well, as we touched uh, on before, his agents mean a Raiola. And I, it's quite obvious, I think, that he was very, uh, a lot of criticism with Raiola, but quite clever what he's done here because he sent him to Borussia Dortmund, who I think uh, paid a very small amount of money for him. And everyone said, everyone was going, why haven't Man United got him? Why haven't this team got him? Why, why have they just let him go to Dortmund for such a small amount of money? Well, I think it's quite obvious now when you touch on that. Essentially, Dortmund are the guinea pigs here because they're building a player up who was very good. To They're building him up to a level where he's probably world-class, potentially world-class by 2022, at which point they're, they're not going to have a hold over him like maybe they did with Jadon Sancho when Man United wanted him. No, and, I think and he'll be gone. The interesting thing about him is that he's not... He's very deliberate about the clubs that he chose. Like, mm. I saw an article about him, that him, he and his dad... Who is an ex-footballer, you know, mm. Alfinger Holland? Um, that he wanted as his next club when he joined when he when he when he first went to Dortmund, he had the chance to go to Man United, but he was very clear that he wanted a club that was not a giant club mm. like Manchester mm. United. He wanted a club that was a step up that would allow him to play maybe in the Champions League, but that didn't have the pressure of playing for a really big club that would allow him to develop. So that he was then able to make that move to a massive club. Yeah. And I think he's very clear as well that he wants a project wherever he goes mm. as well. He's not just going to go with the club that gives him the most money. So mm. it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes because, yeah, and I, it's interesting actually with Chelsea because Chelsea, I've heard that Peter Cech has been doing a lot of um, rebuilding relation, Chelsea's relationship with Raiola recently. Chelsea are interested in a couple of Raiola players, mm. I think. Um, so you never know. But... Yeah, but on the yeah, but yeah, exactly. You're right. It's going to be. I mean, Man United will want him. Barcelona or Real Madrid will probably go for him. Chelsea will, will may even look at him. You know, there will be tons of clubs looking out for him because he's a world class player, and he yeah. no matter who you've got in your team, he's going to improve you. So yeah, and he will play in the Premier League. I'm absolutely certain mm. of it as well. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, that was a really good victory for Dublin five two one point off Bayern. They dropped points at home to Werder Bremen. Um, and actually, uh, you know, they were 1-0 up, uh, up initially, uh, Bayern, uh, Kingsley Coman, uh, just after, uh, sorry, no, they were 1-0 down, uh, Maximilian Eggerstein, then Kingsley Coman 1-1. Uh, but Manuel Neuer actually made a remarkable double save in the game uh, to preserve a point for Bayern in this game. And it was, you know, it's it sort of symptomatic of the goalkeeper who just doesn't seem to have a day off. He, remarkable uh, professional even though he did ship six goals for his national team but for his club he's absolutely uh, an absolute phenomenon and he shows no sign of ageing but slight slip chink in the armour there for Bayern Leipzig couldn't capitalise either with a 1-1 uh, against Eintracht Frankfurt uh, a few draws for Leipzig this season maybe missing the clinical edge of a team of Werner well maybe probably definitely it's 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 unfortunate that they couldn't hold a player of such ability, but that's the reality, I suppose, of a club like Leipzig. But you know, interesting title racing in the Bundesliga. Hopefully, it's slightly different this time around, and with people like Harland, Harland, Brandt, 
Reiner, Sancho, Bellingham, Witzel. You know, I'm listing off a, a series of really talented youngsters. Hopefully Dortmund can go that one step further this year. We will wait Maybe. and see. Yeah, it'd be nice for them if they did. Mm. Tell you what, uh, tell you what is inevitable. Winning it every year. Yeah. Um, to be perfectly honest, you know. An inevitability uh, about it almost. But there's an inevitability yeah, about. Almost, that's one of the reasons people don't watch the German league, I think, as well as sometimes it's because it's just. Well, you know who's going to win the league. There's no. Oh, there's I think no they're missing league. out. I do like watching a bit of Bundesliga. Well, I can't watch it anyway because I haven't got, haven't got the, te- the, the right channels to watch it. But no, no I would. Watch it. I mean, I would watch it for the. Because I love what. Because I love. Um, I love watching. Things like Dortmund and Bayern, they yeah, play great yeah, football, but yeah, but uh, you know what I mean. It's like there's no there is competitive uh, edge. Like, yeah, no who's going to win it at the end of the year. Yeah, inevitability though it does carry over into a few into players as well. I mean, Ronaldo with another two goals this weekend against Cagliari, um, phenomenal, really, Ronaldo mm-hmm. because um, you know they were struggling a bit at times without him, uh, Juventus to find the back of the net, and you know it's six six Serie A matches, eight goals. Uh, and also Ibrahimovic uh, on target with two today um, against Napoli, and he's five Serie A games, and ten goals. So um, Serie A really the place where people are aging like fine wine. Um, the it is quite um, quite something how these people keep themselves in check. Uh, and you know, I mean, I, I was listening to it, I think the State of Play podcast actually. They were talking about. Uh, how well Milan are doing at the moment and how it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Milan do win the league. And if Milan did win the league and did well in the Europa League, as they surmised, um, do they, uh, can they, can Ibrahimovic, sorry, get be a Ballon d'Or contender? Oh, good, good, good shout. Well, it wasn't mine. Yeah, he's on fire, isn't he? I mean, I would love that. I would love that because it's a player that probably should have won it and hasn't won Mm. it. Uh, yeah. And the only reason he hasn't won it has probably Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. Mm. Like any other any other era, he would have won it at least yeah. once. Um, yeah. uh, he is, yeah, he's a phenomenon. I mean, he truly is a phenomenon. Um, yeah, and he's what thirty nine, and he's he's yeah. doing, performing like he is. Yeah, two goals a game in Italy. I know it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, if he if he keeps on like that, Milan will win the will win Serie A and. Uh, and they they could do well in the Europa League. Yeah, I mean, I could. I mean, can you imagine Ibrahimovic and Milan <laughs> playing against uh, his old man, his old boss Mourinho yeah. in uh, in uh, in the Europa League? It'd be incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I, I would it, actually back Ibrahimovic to win. <laughs> well, the top at the moment with you know unbeaten in eight games, six wins, two draws. Uh, Juventus, though, as I say, Ronaldo inspired Juventus, I might add. They are also unbeaten, but four wins and four draws. And many of those draws, um, I think two or three of them, I think it might be, I'm not quite sure now, uh, Google, if you're listening, but a number of those draws, I think, were without Ronaldo up front. And I do think he does make a massive difference because... So- no. Uh, it's not well. I, I mean, captain obvious there, it, obviously, but um, there's not. Um, you know, he was he was a left winger, a phenomenal left winger. Now he's more of a striker, and it, it, because I don't think he has the same energy to take on players like he used to and run about the pitch. But athletically, he's incredible. His body's in amazing shape, and he knows where the goal is based on all that time of coming in from the left for Real Madrid, uh, where he basically became, you know. As Benzema sort of false nine it at Real Madrid in the Bale Benzema Ronaldo front three, Ronaldo reaped many rewards 
coming in from the flank. Don't do that as much now, I say, but yeah, you know, you is there any is there any well, maybe Lewandowski, but is there anyone else that you'd rather have as the focal point in that team to score your goal in the world? No, I I, I love a human human hero. I mean, I, I, he's I, said, I, I met Ronaldo, James. I've always wanted you always want your, to play for your club. I met Ronaldo, like, James. Oh, Ronaldo. Yeah. What are you remembering in my mind? I mean, um, I mean, you'd have both. Uh, who would you? Ha- I mean, if you had to choose, I personally, I mean, I, I love Ibrahimovic. So if you ask me, is it just a, just a, who do I prefer? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, but, he's such a character, you know. He's just. Ronaldo, to be fair, Ronaldo is though, isn't he? I mean, he, he's quite. Yeah, you've got. I mean, yeah, Ronaldo is just a machine. Almost, he's yeah, just, he's world class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Inter, Inter as well though. Uh, they were one 0 down today, but they came back four two win over Torino. Yeah. Lukaku, Lukaku got two. So Lukaku you got know, two goals and two assists, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, I mean, I'll uh, tell you what. Serie has got some. We, you know, I, I talk. I was writing a piece about how the the big physical centre forward. Is, is sort of less prominent now, and uh, yeah, in Serie A, three of the best strikers, Ibrahimovic is I think six foot five, or six foot four. Ronaldo's six foot two, I think, and mm. Lukaku's big and strong. So you've got three throwback strikers. I mean, Ronaldo's now a throwback striker. That's what he is. He's he's a man who sits in the box and waits to score goals. So yeah, 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 and he does it really well. <laughs> he does. It doesn't do too. Um, he does. Yeah, and Serie A is actually quite interesting right now. It, it's mm. It's really competitive. There's some yep, teams that are yep. scoring lots of goals mm-hmm. uh, and different teams that could win the league. Uh, it's, it's the same you know, everywhere, know. though, isn't it? It's the, it's yeah. the case of... Yeah, just move just yeah, swiftly up to the level. You never would have thought would you? Like that you thought for no. a defensive league, you know. No. Oh, that's so changed goals. so much now, hasn't it? It's changed so much over the past it few has. years. I mean, yeah. La Liga, though, Real Sociedad top. Uh, David Silva maybe inspiring that 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 renaissance for them at the top of the table. Atletico two games in hand uh, as as of this recording of the podcast, so they could they won both of those. They could go three points clear at the top because uh, Atletico beat Barcelona one uh, 0 as we t- as we discussed actually uh, just before we went on air uh, this weekend. And you know it was it was. It, uh, it was a great, well, it wasn't a great goal for Carrasco because the ball, there's a long ball over the tonic from Correa and Tostegan races off his line in classic sweeper-keeper fashion, but doesn't get anywhere near the ball. Carrasco rounds him and then he's about 40 yards out and he plonks it into an empty net. So it's just not, it's, it's certainly not a, a good moment for Barcelona or Ronald Koeman. We've talked about this a lot, so I don't really want to spend too much time on it, but, um, you know, just to go back to, yeah, just well, I'll just say Barca in eleventh now, with eleven yeah. points out of eight there's, games. There's not good. They don't make the Champions League. Well, Real Madrid in fourth, uh, seventeen points, and they they've had a sluggish start by their standards at the start of the season. But just to touch on uh, Atletico doing really well, uh, and Real Sociedad doing really well. Real Sociedad uh, doing remarkably well with four one four one formation. All about hard work, all about team collective effort, uh, very possession-based. Got David Silva in there, sort of guiding them with his experience and his nows. You've got Ayazabal and William Jose and Alexander Isaac, all in the attacking areas. Uh, Ayazabal's really highly rated as well. I think he did well for Spain on international duty. They've got the blend of excited talent, David Silva as a cog in that midfield. They've got a lot of honesty, a lot of in- integrity in that team. 
Um, and you know, is there is there a better is there a better opportunity for teams outside of teams to win with everything that's going on in the world now? Because we've seen it all over the Europe, all over Europe. Shocks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's happening a lot, isn't it? It's still. I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the season as mm. well. And, we, and it seems like in the Premier League, the, the kind of normal order is starting to reassert itself. You know, you've got yeah. Liverpool, uh, Tottenham, Chelsea. You know, yeah, are in the top kind of top four. Yeah, uh, but in Italy, it's not like that, and mm. uh, Spain definitely, it's not like that. No. I mean, Barcelona, I mean, yeah, what's going to happen to them? Like, I've got my own thoughts on that. We'll yeah. probably talk about that more another time. But, yeah, yeah uh, that's, I mean, I think the basketball, what's happening at Barcelona is not just for the reasons that it happened everywhere else, actually. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think, obviously, there's other, there's other issues at that club that we, you know, many people know about. Yeah. Uh, you know, with Koeman and the president and mm. Messi and all of that stuff going on behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, it it's, yeah, Can I just I, say, I, actually, as well, I forgot completely, but in, in the French League, PSG are still top, but they were 2-0 up against Monaco. Cesc Fabregas came on at half-time, and they lost 3-2. So yeah, that, yeah, was, that was amazing. Lovely. Yeah, so there is there is a bit, of, again, there's a bit of unpredictability. What isn't too unpredictable, though, is that PSG are still top, um, and they're top by two points still. Uh, but that would have been a bit of a shock to the system, and I think that's all we've, we've sort of co- we've got time for. But we've covered it. We've covered quite a lot there. Again, these European segments are supposed to give you a broad, broad overview uh, and designed for you guys to uh, have a look yourselves and delve into the world of European football a little bit. Because hey, there's some exciting stuff going on. So yeah, and I think that that wraps everything up. So from myself and James, I think that's a, a goodbye. We'll see you next week with uh, some more interesting four topics to uh, dive right into. Thanks for listening, everyone. It should be on Spotify, iTunes, Buzzsprout. You listen on Buzzsprout, but, you know, I imagine most people listen on Spotify and iTunes, but they hope. So see you later and uh, and stay safe in these uh, very unpredictable times, both on and off yeah. the pitch. Take care, everyone. <laughs>